This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from the belly of the beast in Tallahassee, although it might be more accurate to say we're reporting from the appendix of the beast, because it's pretty much a useless organ that no one cares about until it ruptures and tries to kill you. On today's edition of Sunrise, we talk with freshman representative Mike Waltz, whose congressional district includes Flagler, Volusia, and portions of Lake and St. John's counties. He's a former Green Beret, so we'll be asking about the president's decision to put U.S. troops in harm's way, sending them to a war zone in Saudi Arabia. The man in charge of the Florida lottery submits his letter of resignation. Jim Popple didn't say why he's leaving or what he plans to do next, but the governor says he is retiring from public service. Speaking of jobs, Florida's unemployment rate holding steady at 3.3 percent, which is almost half a point lower than the national average. And there are more jobs in the state, unless, of course, you happen to work in the fields of information, wholesale trade, durable goods, or manufacturing. Today on Sunrise, a deep dive into a constitutional amendment that allows adults in Florida to use cannabis. This is the amendment the marijuana industry hates because it would let people grow their own and avoid sky-high prices at local dispensaries. We'll also check out your daily calendar of political events in the Sunshine State and catch up on the latest adventures of Florida Man, who is sometimes a topless woman or a gal with a live alligator concealed in her yoga pants. Those are the top stories on Sunrise for Monday, September 23rd. But first, a commercial. Is that right? An honest-to-God commercial? Holy cow! Florida is a great place to live and do business. Let's keep it that way. By supporting the Florida Competitive Workforce Act, legislators can do the right thing. To remain competitive globally... We must be a welcoming state for everyone to live, work, and play. 11 Fortune 500 companies, 35 major employers, and hundreds of small businesses support the act. And 68% agree it's wrong to discriminate in employment, public housing, and accommodations. Go to floridacompetes.org. Tell your legislator to hear the Florida Competitive Workforce Act. Today on Sunrise, our guest is Congressman Mike Waltz of the 6th Congressional District in Florida. He's a freshman, just took office in 2019, and is a steadfast supporter of the president. I want to get into your background first, because you you were a Green Beret, you've done work for the defense industry. How does that give you a, a unique perspective on what's going on in Washington right now? Well, you know, some days I feel like I've gone from one combat zone to another. So um, that, that's one perspective. But uh, look, at the end of the day, in all seriousness, it's about service. And uh, I'm convinced uh, that the more veterans that we get into office, uh, the better. Why? Well, one, we're obviously willing to sacrifice our country. Uh, but I can just tell you, the, you know, we're focused on mission. We're focused on country, getting things done. If you don't accomplish your mission in combat, and I also have a business background, if you don't accomplish it in business, bad things happen. And so it's that results-oriented, mission focus that uh, it's really the ethos that we bring as much as where you are on any individual position that really matters. I got you. Now, one of those new missions, of course, is Saudi Arabia. The president announcing earlier this week he's going to be sending some U.S. troops there. What do you think about that? Well, I think the troops are needed in the short term because they bring a specialized air defense capability. Uh, that that obviously the Saudis were lacking. Even though they have bought a lot of U.S. systems, they're covering a lot of ground, and the Iranians very cleverly figured out some weaknesses in the system. So that's the short term. Uh, I think in the medium to longer term, with this week heading into the U.N., you're going to hear the president making the case uh, for why we need to stand firm uh, against uh, Iran's malfeasance across the region. And why also that the maximum pressure campaign is working. 
look, at the end of the day, the Iranian economy is crumbling. Uh, the thing the regime cares about the most is its back po- pocket, is its wallet, and not necessarily its own people. And it is going to continue to lash out to try to create crisis after crisis, hoping that those crises will cause the president to back down and also hoping to drive a wedge between us and the Europeans and other countries because the regime wants those other countries buying Iranian oil and not Saudi oil. At the end of the day, we are going to have to take some type of action, in my view. Iran is like a schoolyard bully that is just going to continue its bad behavior until it stops, until you know someone steps in and says enough. But are you comfortable with American troops being in the line of fire between two you know, rival nations like this? Well, we already have American troops all over the region. So, so these troops will be more on the side of air defense, artillery, anti-missile batteries, uh, protecting our own bases and interests in the region. So, so we should be clear, we're not talking uh, about... Um, America, you know, 500,000 American troops invading anything or getting between Saudi Arabia and Iran. We're talking a few hundred that are going to shore up our defenses and help the Saudis in a defensive way. I got you. Now, as long as we're talking foreign policy, and that is one of your expertise, let's segue over to Ukraine. Um, what do you make of the whole situation there? Well, I think, you know, in a general matter, the president should be able to have conversations with foreign leaders, without them being without them being leaked and without them being spread, you know, all over all over the world, uh, and, that, and that's regardless of administration. Uh, I was also with Vice President Cheney in the Bush administration, uh, and and saw the transcripts of some of those conversations, and they need to be able to have candid conversations. Secondly, you know, who knows uh, in this kind of who said what, he said, she said. I mean, we've just seen two years of a Mueller investigation where pundits were pounding the table saying there was absolute truth, not just pundits, but previous uh, government officials, and there turned out not to be any collusion. Uh, So, you know, I think this just needs to play out, but at the end of the day, I can tell you from being up in Washington, this kind of attack after attack after attack uh, on the president. If it's not one thing, if it's not Mueller, then it's impeachment or something else. And now it's this, it is sucking the oxygen out of the room from real issues that, that we all should be dealing with, from immigration reform to clean water uh, to some of these uh, foreign policy issues. None of that is getting done because of hearing after hearing after hearing uh, on, on these issues. And at some point you have to say enough and let's move on and, and take care of the nation's business. Well, the president has now confirmed that he did talk to the Ukrainian leaders about investigating Joe Biden's son, and he was sitting on that money that was authorized by Congress. I mean, doesn't that amount to a sort of de facto extortion? Well, I don't think that, uh, from what I've seen, that the president has uh, said that there was any type of quid pro quo, uh, and that wouldn't be something that I would think would be appropriate at all. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, the president can have all kinds of candid conversations. And, you know, we also had obviously Vice President Joe Biden, while he was vice president, pressing uh, the foreign government to drop a prosecution against his son. I don't know what's at the bottom of all of this, um, but I do know that it is a problem that these conversations 
uh, uh, are being are being leaked. The president needs to be able to have candid conversations with his own cabinet and with foreign leaders without fear that they're going to be spread all over the place for for political purposes. So the leaks were more disturbing to you than the actual contents. Well, uh, the leaks are disturbing to me, and again, regardless of administration. I mean, I, I, I just think that there is a um, there is something to be had for, and, and there is value in a president being able to have candid conversations, receive candid advice, and have conversations with foreign leaders. So that's one issue. I wouldn't put one as more important than the other, but I think that is an issue that needs to be addressed. Separately, I think we need to get to the uh, to the bottom of what actually happened in those conversations. That's going to be incredibly difficult to do because it is presidential, it is executive uh, privilege, um, and you know we'll see how those turn out. Congressman Walt says one way to fix things is to elect more veterans. At one point, eighty percent of the lawmakers in Washington were vets. Today, that number is just fifteen percent. The governor is looking for a new lottery secretary. Jim Popple's been doing the job since July of 2017, where he leads more than 400 employees. Before that, he worked as chief of staff at the Florida Department of Economic Opportunity. In his letter of resignation, Popple told Governor Ron DeSantis he's leaving for reasons that are entirely personal. During his time at lottery headquarters, he oversaw the installation and conversion to a new gaming system, and they just awarded the contract to a new scratch ticket vendor, which should save the state about $18 bucks a year. Now, Popple earned a law degree from the University of Missouri, but if you check his academic record, there's something far more interesting. He has a master's degree in spiritual formation and leadership from Spring Arbor University in Michigan. I know what you're thinking. I've never heard of him either. Florida's unemployment rate unchanged in August, 3.3%, which is about the same as it's been for the past year. The state added more than 22,000 new jobs last month. The biggest increases were in business and technical services, construction, leisure and hospitality, and the government sector. There are still 342,000 Floridians without jobs out of a workforce of almost 10.5 million people. Now, the Crestview, Fort Walton Beach, Destin metro region in the Panhandle has the lowest unemployment rate of the state at 2.8%. The highest rates are in the metropolitan statistical areas for Homo Sassus. Springs, Sebring, and the Villages. They're all at 5.2%. By the way, the state still has bragging rights. Florida's unemployment rate is lower than the national average of 3.7%. There are three constitutional amendments making the rounds in Florida to legalize recreational use of marijuana by adults. And the title of this particular one, well, it's a real mind blower. Regulate marijuana in a manner similar to alcohol to establish age, licensing, and other restrictions. Really, that's the title. If you want the Cliff Notes version, the amendment sponsored by a group called Sensible Solutions authorizes possession and recreational use of marijuana. It allows people to grow a small crop of their own and calls for state regulation over the marijuana industry, similar to the system used for alcoholic beverages. Melissa Villar of Tallahassee has been volunteering on the campaign and collecting signatures for that amendment since 2015. You know, we started a lot of our grassroots efforts through music events because a lot of entertainers, a lot of musicians utilize cannabis or were using prescription meds and utilize cannabis in lieu of prescription drugs now. So that's a, a major issue. A lot of us, um, instead of using alcohol, we use cannabis. Instead of using tobacco, we use cannabis. So these are our um, more healthy alternatives that we prefer. VR runs the Tallahassee chapter of Normal, the national organization for the reform of marijuana law. She says millions of Floridians are already using the stuff and they're breaking the law. Florida is a, a state of 22 million people with, you know, 30, 40, 50 percent being cannabis users. I mean, we have cannabis users. There are cannabis users everywhere, um, you know, all ages. 
and most people prefer to be able to use flour, which is why cannabis users would like to be able to grow their own plants. We are also pushing for hemp home gardens. You know, it's very important that people can make grow their own plants if they want to put it in a smoothie, if they want to make their own salves, their own their own lotions, their own products at home. It's just like a, it's just any other any other vegetable, a tomato, a, a straw. You know, you're we're talking about a cannabis plant. That way, people can use it however they'd like. Um, for their own personal use. Growing at home would be for your own personal use. Um, six plants to grow, uh, flowering plants. Medical marijuana is legal in Florida, but there are hoops to jump through and bills to pay before you can walk into a dispensary. Lisa McCorkle uses it to cope with severe case of vertigo that was so bad she had to hold onto the walls whenever she tried to move. She says it's been far more effective than the usual prescription drugs, but many people who qualify for a marijuana card don't bother because of the cost. Patient costs are anywhere from two to $400 a year just with their doctor. And then you have $75 card cost, and then you have the medication. People will pay the doctor cost and never pay their $75 card cost. And then you go to the dispensary, and your first medication is $75 to $100 generally. It's pretty significant. Once we have more dispensaries, if we open it for adult use, the cost for Medication is going to drop significantly, allowing more patients to have access. It's not just the high price of Florida meds. There's this thing called the registry. Gary Stein with Normal of Central Florida says every person with a medical marijuana card ends up on a state list, and there can be consequences. You will find people who do not want to be involved in the, in the medical market, in part because of the cost of doctors and what they have to do to get that card and, and to maintain it. Uh, but also, especially in the state of Florida, a lot of patients do not want to be on a registry. Uh, being on a registry at this point in time will, will, will allow you to be fired from your job. It actually happened to my daughter, who was told that if she kept her medical card, she would lose her job, even though she did not use the product during office hours and never came to work impaired. But that is a situation, and a lot of people want to stay away from being on that registry. But if Floridians legalize recreational use, there's no need for a medical registry anymore. And Stein says all the new business would mean lower prices for people who use marijuana for legitimate medicinal reasons. The black market tries to maintain a price slightly lower than the legal market because that's the way the supply and demand tends to work. In those states where the, uh, the free market is deterred by limited numbers of licenses and things of that sort, the price gets higher and higher. The prices of, of, of uh, products here in Florida are in some cases much as five to six times, sometimes even ten times uh, larger than the products that have states that have full free market as far as the medical product is concerned. This amendment would also reorganize the entire marijuana industry in Florida, doing away with the existing structure that's known as vertical integration. That means one company has to control every step of the process, from seed to sales, a system that favors big money and shuts the door on small business. The R says... They need to change the cannabis system. We've been completely different in Florida, and we've blocked everybody out from growing except a few people that had really good lobbyists and paid sixty grand to apply. And um, you know, all of these these huge infrastructure um, requirements that they the treatment centers that are up and running, you know, push those costs down to the patients. And it's very expensive, especially the extracts and the salves and the tinctures. You know, it, that's why we wanted flour because we, you can purchase um, like 3.5 grams for about $28, $30, which is comparable to underground markets. And while it's true that millions of Floridians already have easy access to marijuana on the black market, Stein says it's not for everyone. 
my wife uh, had, had lost her eyesight to glaucoma, and that was because we were waiting for the product to become legal. She did not want to become illegal, and the good folks at Baskin Palmer told her that if she ever did use the product, she would, she would be thrown out of the practice, and as, as it turned out, we waited an, uh, long enough for it to get legal before she started using the product to, to, to cure her glaucoma. However, by that time, she lost, totally lost all of her eyesight. But for many of us, we are all waiting to be legal. We don't want to break the law. State economists are trying to figure out the economic impact of this amendment, but it's not easy, and it may not matter in the long run. The amendment and title are 10 pages long, and with that much language, there are plenty of issues that may keep it off the ballot, like the single subject requirement. Then there are all those signatures, the ones they don't have. Polster and political guru Steve Vancor will join us tomorrow to talk about the long odds against the medical marijuana amendments that are now circulating in Florida. On your agenda today, Chief Financial Officer Jimmy Petronas will give opening remarks at the first Florida Blockchain Task Force meeting in Tallahassee. That's 1 p.m. in the Senate Office Building. Congressman Lois Frankel holds a press conference at 1 this afternoon in Delray Beach to announce a $1.6 million federal grant for the Early Learning Coalition of Palm Beach County that will be used to grow and improve their Head Start program. The Early Learning Coalition serves more than 30,000 children annually and is committed to ensuring every child is ready to succeed in school and life through comprehensive, high-quality early learning environments. Big Business Lobbying Group Associated Industries of Florida starts a two-day summit in Washington, D.C. today that includes meetings with Republican Congressman Vern Buchanan, Mario Diaz-Balart, Neil Dunn, Brian Mast, Greg Stubbe, Mike Waltz, Daniel Webster, and Ted Yoho, also Democratic Congresswoman Donna Shalala. U.S. Senator Rick Scott is expected to host a reception the first night. The summit starts at 2.30 at the National Association of Manufacturers in Washington, and there's a reception at Florida House beginning at quarter past six. State lawmakers are also holding a series of meetings today with local officials to get their input for the upcoming legislative session. Those meetings are taking place in Alachua, Citrus, Franklin, Gulf, Monroe, and Union Counties. And now, the continuing adventures of Florida Man and three Florida women. First, a topless woman spotted riding a bicycle down the middle of Highway 98 on Okaloosa Island turned out to be a shoplifting suspect fleeing the scene of the crime. Employees of Surfside Outfitters say she left the store without paying for a pair of flip-flops and shoved something else into a bag, which turned out to be a $25 t-shirt. She might have gotten away if she had just worn the shirt instead of riding topless down the middle of the road, which triggered a flood of calls to the sheriff's office. By the way, the bare-breasted bandit is actually from Louisiana, but as of now, she's an honorary Florida woman. A Florida man's been sentenced to one-year probation after he was caught with 43 turtles stuffed inside a teenage mutant ninja turtle backpack. Michael Clemens will also have to complete 100 hours of community service and make a $250 donation to the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission Wildlife Alert Fund. Clemens was pulled over in Charlotte County for running a stop sign and said he and a female passenger were collecting frogs and snakes. When deputies asked if there was anything else they should be aware of, the woman pulled a live alligator out of her yoga pants. And one other Florida woman to keep an eye on, 27-year-old University of Florida grad Katie Waldman has been hired as Vice President Mike Pence's press secretary. She was a spokesperson for the Department of Homeland Security who defended the agency's reviled family separation policy, and she's apparently dating Stephen Miller, the president's top advisor on immigration policy. But here in Florida, Waldman is remembered as the student government leader from the University of Florida who swiped and then trashed copies of the independent Florida Alligator newspaper back in 2012 because they did a story about a rival candidate for student government. Sounds like a perfect fit for what's going on in our nation's capital. That's it for today's edition of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee for Florida Politics. Back with a new episode tomorrow.